The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. All right, welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And season two of But I'm Chris Jericho premieres tomorrow, December 7th, worldwide at butimchrisjericho.com. Butimchrisjericho.com. You can watch season one up there now and watch all the new episodes on season two. Uh, It's CBC's new series produced up in Canada, but going worldwide starting tomorrow, December 7th. You can binge watch the entire season. Uh, One of my co-stars is completely insane and so, so funny. The hilarious Kevin McDonald from the Kids in the Hall, one of the greatest comedy troops of all time, is here. He joins his compadre, his uh, his uh, associate Scott Thompson, who was in season one. If you want to see that, go to acting class. It's amazing, season one of But I'm Chris Jericho, and Kevin is here uh, about ready to play McGloin in season two. The Uber producer who's going to help Chris get his pilot made, but uh, it's at a little bit of a price. So so funny. Kevin's got some great stories about the troops' early days performing in Canada. What inspired some of those popular sketches uh, in Kids in the Hall history? Characters like the chicken lady. What are you? God, you're not too bright. I'm a chicken lady. A chicken lady. Yeah, and I love life. Do you love life? Oh, yeah. I thought you might, because I put that in my personal Latin. Chicken lady loves life. And the king of empty promises. You got the money you owe me? my mind do you have any idea what I do to people that don't pay me what they owe me I'm just sick about this I'll tell you what tomorrow I'll have your money plus an autographed picture of Gavin McLeod you promise will do he's also talking about their saturday night live audition meeting producer lauren michaels and how that all led to the kids getting their own tv sketch show and of course their underrated movie brain candy which admittedly i did not understand when i first saw it kevin's got a hilarious story about auditioning for writer director nora efron who did Sleepless in Seattle and When Harry Met Sally. Uh, Get ready to laugh a lot with the uh, amazingly quirky and funny Kevin McDonald, who is one of my co-stars in season two of But I'm Chris Jericho, available tomorrow, December 7th, at butimchrisjericho.com, the brand new series uh, in CBC. And for all of you around the world, you're going to check it out, and I think you're going to like it. So we're going to have Kevin McDonald coming up, and also... 
Coming up, we're going to tell you how you can meet WWE Hall of Famer Diamond Dallas Page in person. He's going to be signing autographs, taking pictures, and talking to fans this weekend at the Steel City Con in Monroe, Pennsylvania. He'll be there December 8th through December 10th, and you can get your tickets at DiamondDallasPage.com. You can also meet him in person next October on the Chris Jericho Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea. Dallas is bringing his live DDP Yoga workshop to the cruise, so you can work out with Dallas as well. Get this 411 on what you need to do to really master DDP Yoga. And remember, all of this, all of the DDP Yoga sessions, all of the concerts, all the, 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 the comedy shows, the live podcasts, the entire Ring of Honor, Sea of Honor tournament is all free. It's all-inclusive with your, uh, your reservation, your cabin reservation, which you can do at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. Okay, uh, to the best of your ability, could you uh, give me a description of uh, myself running naked through the woods? <laughs> I, I suppose around uh, 6, 13 a.m. you'd be spotted uh, taking off your conservative blue suit mm-hmm. to reveal a 5'11", approximately 80-kilo frame. Mm-hmm. From there, you'd be seen uh, scurrying through the underbrush, yelping, mm-hmm. maybe wrestling deer to the ground, deer. and feel uh, free and alive for perhaps the first time in your life. Mm-hmm. Maybe, uh, fall asleep in a culvert. Culvert? <laughs> well, it takes all kinds. <laughs> sure does. Um, so Kevin McDonald shows up wearing sunglasses. And what does he say? He says they're prescription. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it sounds like I'm lying, but I'm not lying, I swear to God. <laughs> Though I need a new prescription because they're becoming normal sunglasses and things are fuzzy again. But so do you have to wear them inside at all times? or like? No, I'm just wearing them now because I didn't bring my... I'll take them off. But you don't have to. But then it's your job, Chris Jericho, to remind me to bring them (laughs) because I have to drive with them. (laughs) I'm taking my jacket off too. Uh, My car keys are in my jacket, so I have to remember to bring them. And you showed up with uh, uh, different colored hair. Different colored hair. Um, this is the, the this is the right fake color. Uh, <laughs> that was the wrong fake color. <laughs> this, uh, this is the right fake. This color. is the most uh, uh, random of things that uh, we did a, a project last week. Well, your show, uh, it's show. a great show. But I'm Chris Jericho, and yeah. we had a fun. Like, what a blast it was! Mm-hmm. And it was then, a fun scene, uh, wasn't it? Yeah, I was very lucky to be in a fun scene. And then I found out that you live in Winnipeg, which is the most random of things. Yes, yes, I fell in love with a woman. Oh. A whole woman. <laughs> a whole woman this time. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then she lived uh, in Winnipeg, so uh, I moved from Los Angeles to Winnipeg. I never had a pool in a house in Los Angeles, so I have a pool in a house in Winnipeg. Go figure, right? Yeah. As you do. Because there's typical. not a lot of people that move to Winnipeg. Yeah, most they, people they, move away. Yes, you moved away. I did. Yes. And most people did. But there's another, <laughs> another friend of mine. Who's a, a singer in a, in a pretty popular heavy metal band who also lives in Winnipeg, who moved here once again for a woman. Oh, wow. How many freaking women is there in Winnipeg that are attracting all of you? Uh... And you moved from Los Angeles? Yeah. Wow. That, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what. It's the pull of those Winnipeg women. We're, we're moving there. We're, we're going back, and I'm there all the time. Who cares, Kevin? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm insulting Winnipeg. I love Winnipeg. Yeah, but you live here now. Absolutely. I live here. Yeah, yeah. So, so, it, so how did you get involved with, with But I'm Chris Jericho? Do you know the guys behind it? Yes, I know uh, Gary. Gary. I never say his last name. Do you pronounce it right out? Right out. Right out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or is right, it radio? Is yeah, it, exactly. Fr- fr- so I just say Gary. <laughs> hey. How do you, you don't have to say a guy's last name anyway. Yeah, exactly. Hey. Yeah, because he um, one of the owners of Comedy Bar. Mm-hmm. And Comedy Bar has become the big uh, comedy place. 
um, in Toronto since I moved from there to go to Los Angeles, which my plan was only to stay there for 16 years until I fell in love with someone from Winnipeg. And boy, it worked <laughs> yeah, out. It worked out. Yeah, the plan it worked, worked exactly in the 16th year. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, the Yuck Yucks isn't the, that was a, the comedy club there. That's not like so big as, as it used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, Second City isn't as big as it used to be. Uh, the place where the kids in the hall played, the Rivoli, was big for a bit, then that died. Mm-hmm. I think it was killed by Gary Ridio. <laughs> In the comedy bar. <laughs> and so anyway, I go there to perform. I'm doing good hand gestures, but no one can see it. It's an audio podcast. I'm doing, um, uh, I, I, I perform and I, I teach uh, comedy workshops there. Oh, okay, gotcha. So he, uh, he, um, he knows me that way. So because the idea was um, we had Scott Thompson in the first season. Yes. And so we were talking about this character of uh, his original name was, was Jimmy McGloin. But there's a lot of like copyrights out there, so we had to change so it weird. to Randy McGloin for whatever That's reason. So weird. There's a famous Jimmy McGloin out there <laughs> somewhere. But I was like, we should try and get another one of the kids, like make this a theme. Oh yeah, where every season we have somebody. Yeah, yeah, every, you know? uh, yeah. Get Mark or Dave or Bruce. And that's what I thought. And yeah, then yeah. they said like, McDonald's coming, and I wasn't sure which one you were. Uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> we all have all our names start with MC. Yeah. That's right. really yeah. Mark what? Mark McKinney. Yeah. Bruce McCullough. Right. Just that's Kim it. McDo- yeah, that's it. I, I lied about and all of us. Thompson and a Foley. Mick Foley. And, yeah, Mick, uh, Fo- Mick Foley. Yes, Mick yeah. Foley. I guess, I guess if I became a rapper, I'd have to call myself MC Donald. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> now, you know what's something funny, though, is there's a famous wrestler in the WWE whose name is Mick Foley. So when you said, of course, yes, yes, when you yes. said Mick Foley, I was like, I was thinking a different r- route than you were. I read his book. It's good. It's very good. Some comic who opened for me in um, not Seattle, but a place close to Seattle. They have a bridge. Uh, <laughs> he was obsessed with Mick Foley, and he gave me the book, and it's a good book. He did a good job. It was like a, a number. It was number one on the New York Times wow. bestseller charts. Wow, because he wrote it himself. But that would be the Mick Foley that I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, the M I C K space Foley. <laughs> yeah, you're doing the Mick Foley. <laughs> yeah, because uh, Kids in the Hall was a, was formed and, and based in Toronto. Yes, right. Are you from Toronto? That was way too loud. <laughs> And you very yes, yes. Sorry. yes. Uh, yeah. I grew up in a suburb of Mississauga, mm-hmm. um, and then I moved to Toronto where I met Dave Foley. Now they always say, well, "What's with my hand today?" I don't know what it is. It's okay. At least you took your shades off. Uh, yes, at least I, I'll forget <laughs> yeah. them. I put them. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, you, them make sure. You, don't worry. I won't let you forget your shades or your jacket. I should put them on the floor by the door. Well, I may step on it, but that way I would remember it. <laughs> yeah, just put them by the exit, just so you know <laughs> yeah, you're, while you're walking exit. out. And people could use it as a rug. <laughs> like Kevin McDonald. We'll just leave it there and become it'll become part of the national monument. Yes. Kevin McDonald's sunglasses, sunglasses floor mats. and jacket. <laughs> yeah, sunglasses floor. And what is this? A kind of a satiny type thing? I don't know. That's oh, very nice. The rayon. I, what's the story? I, I think um, uh, my Winnipeg woman wife got, got it for me for Christmas. That's Triple W. We're going to call her from Winnipeg. Now on. Yeah, WWW. Winnipeg yeah, woman wife. <laughs> Yes, yes, just make sure she is a woman. <laughs> uh, 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 so ki- uh, kids, yes. Kids, yeah. Um, yeah. The, they always say that Dave and I are the founding members, but that's kind of a cheat. We're the founding members of the group called The Kids in the Hall. There were two older guys, um, the two mix, uh, Bruce McCullough and Mark McKinney, but they formed a group before us. Uh, but when we met, uh, we, they just, we just picked our name. Our name was better. They were called The Audience, and Dave always thought that was pretentious because we're like The Audience. We're like part of you, man. We're, like, <laughs> we're together. We're in this together. So, uh, well, what, what, where did you get The Kids in the Hall from? What is that? The Kids in the Hall is an old showbiz story. Really? Uh, yes. Sid Caesar, 
Um, uh, who had like the first super great sketch comedy show. Some people would say Milton Berle, but I would say no, it's not great. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Milton. It was okay. <laughs> it was okay. If Milton, Milton, if you're listening, yeah, your show wasn't great. It wasn't great. I'm okay. so sorry. There you go. And Sid, if you are listening, which you yeah, may is be it, dead. Is Sid? I forget if Sid. Uh, I know Milton's dead. Well, if he's listening from the from the afterlife, he's listening from beyond the grave. <laughs> yes, we love I, your I'm show. I'm sorry, but you were great and you pioneered the. the yeah, yeah, but Sid Caesar, uh, it, it was great, and he had um, really great writers in his writing room. But there were young guys, and they did in 30 Rocks, same as Saturday Night Live. And they had guys pacing, literally pace. I'm doing a thing with my fingers, mm-hmm. walking down the hall, literally sure. pacing the hall to, uh, and they, uh, to sell jokes and sketch ideas. And if they sold enough, they were hired. And um, uh, they were called the Kids in the Hall. And two of the Kids in the Hall were Mel Brooks and Woody Allen. Really? Yes. So they would be hanging out. Just selling jokes. And, selling jokes. Uh, and sketch ideas. Interesting. Yeah. And since Caesar, uh, oh, another Kid in the Hall, the, actually the first Kid in the Hall, um, I read the book, and that's how I, I, I heard the term Neil Simon. You know the guy who wrote the Odd Couple and everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, people under thirty-eight don't know uh, who Neil Simon is anymore. <laughs> or Sid Caesar, for that matter. Or Sid Caesar, yeah. So uh, maybe Woody there. Allen's starting. That's to, like, getting in there. Yeah, or Mel yeah. Brooks. And Mel yeah. Brooks. Maybe yeah. they don't because of the producers. Uh, uh, but since uh, was it Neil Simon? Since Caesar told his writers one day, um, they had this idea where him and his guys would act, uh, him and his cast would act out a cuckoo clock. Uh, like I felt the parts of a Swiss cuckoo clock, and the writers just stared at him and didn't get it. So he went to, uh, in the hall, and Neil Simon was there with his brother Danny Simon, and he said, "You two kids in the hall, um, uh, could you write me a sketch about a Swiss cuckoo clock?" "Yes, sir." And they wrote the sketch, and Sid Caesar loved it, and it's one of the most famous sketches of all time. Wow! Well, yeah, yeah, you, you just, just never know, right? Yeah, yeah, you just never know. Go to YouTube it, and then that's what, uh, how they were hired. And I guess they were the first kids in the hall. Neil Simon and his brother Danny. They were like in their early twenties. I never knew that. Yeah. It's like I was uh, I was a groundling, uh, and always wondered what the hell groundlings meant. Yeah, where did they and come from? what it meant was that in the day, and I'm probably getting this wrong, and I'll get blasted by hardcore groundlings fans, and I apologize. Something to do with Shakespeare, uh, the audience, like the low life audience. He would they they were called groundlings at the ah. time. Oh, thanks, dude. Appreciate that. Duff just came. Duff, this is Kevin. Hi. Kevin, like, how are you? From, Hi, from Kids in the Hall. This is Duff from Very Duff. nice to meet you. <laughs> Duff's good. Why, thank you. <laughs> Duff just came and delivered my uh, microphone case because I was just talking with him. And we're enjoying the almonds as well. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Carry on, gentlemen. Okay, thank Carry you, man. On. Go enjoy your workout. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah, have a good workout. Okay, thank you. You look in good shape. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, <man. laughs> Thanks, dude. What a, there you go. The, what, other, what other podcast... Your, glu- uh, your glutes. Let's see. Glutes look. Well, you, oh, yeah. Duff, you never. You don't really have much of an ass. You work. <laughs> there you go. Looks see you, man. Good. The only podcast in the world with Chris Jericho, Kevin McDonald, and Duff McKagan. Another Mick. <laughs> He's a, another Mick. Yeah, another Mick. That's Mick right. Kagan. Exactly. Right. It's like a, it's like a, lo- it's a, it's like a secret tribe. We gotta get Mick Foley here. <laughs> You're Mick. Which Foley. one? <laughs> You're Mick Foley. Both of them. Yours too. <laughs> yeah, 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 both. Yeah, yeah. That would be a good mix. David McFoley. So, so the Groundlings apparently oh, was yeah. uh, Shakespeare. Like, um, I think some of like the the poorer people that would come to oh. a, a, a play that was in the you know in the middle of the street or whatever would be called Groundlings. Oh, Something neat. along those lines. That's neat. And yeah. you were a Groundling. I was for how long? That's pretty neat. I was there for a year. And uh, were you I, already famous? Yes, and this is how I got. I kind of snuck in the back door in that they were really associated with Mad TV. If you remember that yes, show, yes, yes, yes. And one of the guys um, was working on Mad Michael Hitchcock, a great, oh, of course, yes. I've met him once or twice. Yes, great improviser, yes. great, very funny the guy. Christopher Guest movies too. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. So he invited me to go to one of the shows, and the director is Mindy Sterling. Yes. 
Met her once or twice. I think I improvised. You've her. met a lot of people once or twice. Uh, yeah, only once or twice. I, this is the last time you and I meet. Because yeah. it's, it's been once or twice. <laughs> yes, Chris Jericho. I met him once or twice. <laughs> and Duff McKagan. I met him once yeah, yeah, or twice, but once. It's on the one side. So he uh, – um, 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 yeah, so she was the director. Wow. And she was like, you should do this because she was a wrestling fan. And wrestling is a lot of improvising. Absolutely. So I came in and did uh, the, the, the Thursday show was called Cooking with Gas, which was guests, alumni, and Sunday night, which is like a, the Groundlings is like a big secret society. It is. Yeah, yeah. You know, where you come in at the bottom and then like you have Some to. It's the Masons. It is. And you have to wait for someone to leave yeah. for you to get your chance. So I've worked every Thursday with them for about a year. And did and, wow. and, the, and, and it was interesting because do you do improv or have you done improv? Yes, yes, that's how we started. Yes, so, there you go. So as you know, like we should improvise together. We should. I think we kind <laughs> of are. She said that you know you know all of the top level stuff, but you don't know the basics. So then I went to the Groundlings class and learned the basics of improv. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. So it was it was quite a. You did in reverse. I did. I did. <laughs> but it was cool though because I learned a lot about you know uh, the biggest thing I learned was committing. Right, because you know improv. Yeah. If you don't commit, it's not going to work. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, and I see that in uh, the thing I teach uh, in workshops is uh, how to write sketches through improv. So I have to see them do improv, and I see people get stuck as soon as they don't commit all the way. Or well, right, because yeah. it's like you know, okay, Kevin and Chris, you know, it's like we're all in the troupe. Kevin and Chris, can you uh, okay go on stage? Okay, um, give them an activity. Uh, you're on a first date and a, a job, a taxidermist. Okay, you're on your first date at the taxidermist. Like, what? What? Yeah. If you don't commit, yeah, you got nothing. Yeah, exactly. If you're giggling at it, yeah, and uh, also, yeah, yeah, I guess it's the same thing. You can't uh, block or deny. Someone says, uh, "Hey, you have a snake on your shoulders." You can't say, "No, I don't," because mm-hmm. that kills everything right away. It just kills the energy and deflates. What's the classic yes and? Right. It's classic yes and. So, Kids in the Hall started as an improv group. Yes and. Uh, <laughs> well, we were. <laughs> what well, Dave and I started. Uh, yeah, we started Second City Workshops. That was our groundlings in Toronto. Uh, Second City Workshops, and we um, and then we started working with a guy named Luciano Casimiri, who was brilliant, and he was the, we were the original Kids in the Hall. He sort of suffered from stage fright. And um, uh, doesn't work. Big writer now, yeah. Comedian, yeah. He was sort of. I guess the the legend is that he's the best one, and he quit because of stage fright. <laughs> uh, but uh, but uh, yeah, that's how we started through um, uh, improv, because we, we did a thing called theater sports, where it's like improv games, right? Sure. And that's how we started. And so we uh, met the, the other guys, and then we learned. Uh, they had already learned how to write because the, the, they were two or three years older than us. Um, uh, I met them once or twice, two or three years older than us, <laughs> and they. <laughs> And they, uh, and so they had in Calgary. Um, they were the biggest thing in Calgary. Uh, they had a sketch show every Saturday night at midnight. Um, but it was who's this Scott? And- uh, no, uh, Scott was a, um, a struggling gay actor in Toronto. Uh, it was Mark Mc- the two mix, Mark McKinney and Bruce McCullough, okay. and a bunch of other guys. So they were Calgary guys. They were Calgary guys. Called the audience. It's interesting that when you think about, like you know, we just had Duff here from Guns N' Roses how there were two bands in Hollywood that then combined forces because they became Guns N' Roses kind of sounds right. like the same thing with Kids in the Hall absolutely what was your idea you wanted to do like a comedy troupe yeah were, were you like a Monty Python fan or well absolutely we were Monty Python that was our like uh, blueprint Monty Python but we also liked SCTV and, mm. uh, and, and uh, the Saturday Night Live thing of course right um, and the audience they, they moved to Toronto there were four of them at that point all brilliant but people quit because they got like good uh, writing jobs, and they uh, they got a they rent a theater in Toronto, and they it was another midnight show. It didn't take off like it did in Calgary because mm-hmm. Calgary there's less. Th- no offense, Calgary. I love you, Calgary. <laughs> I love you, Calgary. I met you once or twice. <laughs> 
Calgary. Been to Calgary <laughs> once or twice. And they they did they did the Saturday Night Live thing. They got Dave and Luch and I to be their featured players. Mm. Um, but it, like, we, well, I have to say the pompous thing. We were too good. And uh, it's not like all of a sudden they say, okay, you're with us. It's just we gradually became equals. People kept quitting until there were four of us. And then uh, Scott Thompson just forced his way into the troupe. <laughs> he just kept coming and jumping on stage, and we had no choice. <laughs> After a while, I was like, just give him a gig. Yes. You met Scott. You can see him doing that. Yeah, well, I was saying, it was the funny thing. I was, I was talking about uh, what Scott did the first season, and uh, he showed up and brandoed it. Had no idea what the script was. <laughs> but he wrote all of these notes. On the side of the page, like like Unabomber, like no 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 oh, yeah, no, 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 no joke ideas, yeah, joke yeah, ideas, yeah, and yeah. that was kind of he just he was he was brilliant. It was so funny, but completely different than what was written. <laughs> you, on the other hand, I did exactly the, not one word of ad lib. <laughs> exactly, everything was exactly how it was written. <laughs> exactly, but that's I mean, I guess the different styles of, of yeah. comedy, right? Yeah, I could do that, except I I I, um, um, uh, I feel insecure that I'm hurting the show mm-hmm. like i'm not brave enough for that um uh, and i and i kind of like yeah i could do both things but i always just want to like i guess play it safe mm-hmm. I'm, I, I'm a child of an alcoholic and i guess <laughs> <laughs> so when you're first starting with a five-man comedy team and you guys are doing the comedy clubs i mean you now you're getting paid and splitting it five ways not a yeah lot of, not a lot of cash in the system there. i know i know it's funny we all had part-time jobs except for bruce mccullough who uh, did stand up so he uh, he could survive on his stand up money? Hmm. He he was also he, the apartment he had he get for free because he was the um, he got a job as a superintendent but he didn't know what to do and he he'd, he'd call our friend Brian the guitarist crying go hey, I don't know how to fix the sink you're gonna go and fix the sink <laughs> but he got free for calling his friend Brian to, to live there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what was your job? Uh, I was um, yeah, same with Dave. We were movie ushers. Uh, we ushered ET. We ushered Tootsie. We ushered Monty Python, Meaning of Life. We had that day off Friday. So uh, Dave Luch and I, uh, Luch wasn't an usher. He worked at a dairy. Uh, and we, uh, I remember we have, this story has no ending. This story has no story. We, <laughs> <laughs> we saw Meaning of Life. It was very exciting for us that we, the, <laughs> that we saw it and, and we loved it. best scene in that is Mr. Creosote. Yes, it's funny. I just saw it last week. Yeah, the thing about that. Does it, it hold up? Uh, I think okay. it holds up. It's like, um, it's not their tightest comedy. And there's stuff that I, I could see now could be rewritten, but it's the whole the whole is better than the parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I still love it. Of course, I want to love it. But but I, mm-hmm. I think as a movie, it works great. And there's some great uh, scenes. But the, yeah, the scene where the guy throws up uh, and, and and blows up throw up. Yeah. Um, I knew it was an hour and fifteen minutes into the movie, because or whatever it was, an hour and twenty five. Because as an usher, I had to go there all the time to hold the door open because people, the older people, there was always like five or six people who had to leave. So I knew, <laughs> oh, it's throw up time. And I, <laughs> and always, very rarely did no one. And, uh, and the leave. scene is there's a super huge fat guy. Yes. I think it's a Terry, Terry Jones. Terry Jones. Yes. And he's eating so much and he just keeps throwing up. Yes. And that's, like just huge, like, Gouts are just like Bleh! on a, on the other customers throwing up on everybody, and then Eric Idle's the waiter, yeah, who goes, "Would you like a mint?" Yeah, so it's the last uh, straw. It's wafer thin. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember Terry Jones like off him full. It's wafer thin. Then he eats the wafer thin mint and blows up blows up his barf. It just explodes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So let me, let me hold on a second. You're actually the usher. Where like you're like, what are you wearing? Like a little like a pillbox hat and like opening. No, the door I, 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 it was a few years after pillbox hats. 
I, I sold cigarettes. No, uh, but it was the day. It was still the day of the usher. Now there's really no ushers unless you go to ArcLight in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even we did way more than them. You had a flashlight. Mm-hmm. Right. In my day, in my day, you had a flashlight. If people were cold, you got them a blanket. And you have to say, um, excuse me, could you uh, move down here? I have a couple here. And if you move down the one seat, they could sit together. You're, so you're actually running the theater. Now it's just it's like yeah. the Wild West. Yeah, it's the Wild West. It's crazy. You yeah, have to yeah. do it on your own now. Yeah, yeah. There's wild people living in the movie theaters yeah, now. Yeah, you yeah. Have to, can you move over? And the guy might say, like, no. Yeah, and no. What are you going to do? Yeah, get the usher? No, because there is no such <laughs> There's thing. There's no usher. There's exactly. no usher. So you had the power to, to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, was, it was a great job. Uh, the once... I was. It was Saturday afternoon. It was empty, and the uh, Richard Pryor, uh, Richard Pryor stand-up movie was on. Mm. And I remember I, I sat down, and then my manager came in looking for me, and I was sitting down watching Richard Pryor, and he just laughed. I was like, I was lucky because I was sort of a good usher, and he knew that I was uh, like a comedian, and obviously yeah, yeah. I would. Uh, and I, I, I've never sat down before. I swear to God, it's just the joke was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> who were who were some of your uh, your favorite comedians when you were growing up? Well, uh, in the seventies, uh, there's so many. There's so many older ones. Let's stick with the seventies one. Let's stick with the ones that were current when I was a kid. Okay. Because I have two thousand and fifty six idols. Okay. Um, but of course, Woody Allen was the big one. Okay. Yeah. Um, Richard Pryor was the big one. Um, uh, Steve Martin was a big one. Gene Wilder was a big one. Um, uh, Gene Wilder is super funny. Man. I know. I, Doesn't get the, really the credit, maybe, unless you're talking what? to people who really know movies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly, right? exactly. You know? but, like, if you and watch... everyone knows Willy Wonka, but uh, but yeah. no one knows Start the Revolution Without Me, which I just saw again last week. It's nice. a great movie. It's a great but, movie. but another, like, you know, they're talking about like, Blazing Saddles, like, yeah. obviously everybody's so funny, but he's the best, like the Waco kid with the shaking hand. That's, a, that's, that's one of the best sticks ever. It's pretty good, yeah. But I shoot with this hand. <laughs> yeah, his hands all We're doing funny visual stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, yeah. Gene Wilder for sure. Albert Brooks mm. was a uh, was a big idol of mine. Um, the uh, Andy Kaufman. I kind of like the anti comics too. Mm. Like uh, like Andy Andy Kaufman. And... I, I could see that because uh, like even the kids in the hall style and your style, it's very like kids in the hall. If you read the bit on a script, it shouldn't be funny. That's true. But it's in the delivery. Have you read them? That's yeah. <laughs> but it's the delivery of it started true. Is, yeah. the, is the genius right? Yeah, I think for the most part, like Bruce and Dave could write good jokes, but uh, but overall, I think you're 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 uh, you're kind of mm. right, especially with me. That's that's me to a T. Completely, yeah. Every time I want to like pitch scripts, I, I can I read it to them. It's only funny the way I read it. <laughs> yeah. I remember the one. I, I don't think you're in this 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 bit, but uh, the guy's car won't start. All right, and he's like, try it now. Do it now. Right. Try it now. And then they open the hood and there's a baby so in the carburetor. Yeah, yeah. It takes the baby out and it starts. Exactly. Like, not funny, but so funny. Well, exactly. And our uh, one of our producers, uh, Cindy Park, because she was a woman and a mother, she's – I don't get – it's not funny. We're not doing it. But, but we forced uh, to do it. <laughs> I think I might be in the scene as the wife because I think I asked to look exactly like my mother. My mother thought that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing about kids also like, like what's like very Monty Python. Everyone's dressing in drag. Yes, yes, yeah, like, yeah. Everybody, like whatever, whoever needs to do it in whatever skit. We did. We had no women. We, well, we had women in the troupe when we were a stage troupe, and then they got. Uh, there were like two or three. One of them became Sandra Shame. Well, she was always Sandra Shamus, but like a very famous uh, sort of sort of stand uh, stand up sort of storyteller, but. Uh, uh, like she sells out a giant theater still to this day. Anyway, mm-hmm. they were so good, and women in comedy w- was even rarer back then mm-hmm. that they were like hired by Second City and stuff. So we were stuck with the five of us in all these scenes about women. So, um, but we didn't want to play women insultingly with high voices and funny breasts. So we had this. My girlfriend at the time had a red sweater, 
and we had the same audience come every uh, every week. And um, hold on, funny breasts. Funny breasts. Breasts are funny. Funny yeah. breasts, like yeah. giant balloons. Yeah, I got and stuff. You. Yeah, yeah. Like we sort of wanted to act like ourselves, slightly feminine. Mm-hmm. So um, I borrowed this red sweater from my uh, girlfriend, and everyone uh, in the audience knew that whatever kid in the hall was playing the red sweater was playing the woman. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then later we graduated and we got a purse, but that was weird. Should we get a purse? <laughs> Is that horrible that we get a purse? And then in uh, the TV show. Um, we try to talk Lauren Michaels into doing the. Can we just do the red sweater? We don't want to play women. Um, and Lauren Michaels looked at us. I'm going to do my Lauren Michaels impression. We asked, "Can we just play women wearing a red sweater? Can we not wear makeup?" And Lauren Michaels looked at us. Here's my impression. He said, "No." <laughs> my one word impression. <laughs> That's Lauren running away. Yeah, I uh, did a MacGruber. Uh, they did a movie of it. Um, with uh, Will Forte, oh, wow. and we were in between takes, and I was talking about it's like like I just met Lauren for the first time, and I was like, dude, he sounds exactly like Doctor Evil. Yeah, and Will's giving me the, the <laughs> cut it thing, right? And I'm like, what? He goes, he's pointing at my lav mic, <laughs> and he says, if Lauren hears you say that, he'll flip out. He hates yeah being told that he sounds like Doctor Evil. Mike's doing a Lauren impression. Yeah, he's doing a Lauren impression when yes. he's playing Doctor Evil. But Lauren, I guess, is I don't I don't sound like that or whatever. That's the worst Lauren impression ever. But uh, um, oh, yeah, was... and uh, the, the month before that movie was released, our movie came out, Brain Candy, and Mark McKinney uh, he plays the, um, the president of a pharmaceutical company, Don Murder, and he does a Lauren impression. Oh, does he? Yeah. He doesn't learn. Uh, is there anything you I can give you? Anything you want? Land in Montana? Double A batteries? One of the Dixie Chicks? Yeah, that's, totally, <laughs> that's totally it, man. That's yeah. totally it. Uh, uh, just uh, um, we, we love Lord Michaels, though. Great guy, Lauren. If you're listening, with yeah, Caesar. I'd be nothing without you. I'd just be a guy in Winnipeg. Oh, I am just a guy in Winnipeg. <laughs> with a triple W. Yes. The Winnipeg woman wife. Yeah. yeah, yeah. W- w- um, so, so you guys are, are doing this, this, this the, the, the Toronto thing with the five of you guys. How do you finally end up getting in contact with, with Lauren Michaels? Because like you mentioned, when you said that he, he basically he gave us everything, kids, right? Yeah. yeah, we'd be nothing without him. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd be, uh, I don't know, but some of us would be writers. Ushers. I'd be a movie, maybe manager at this point. At this point. <laughs> Candy guy. <laughs> at, this point. at one point I was asked to be a, a movie manager and then uh, that's when we were like a uh, struggling stage troupe. And I thought, oh, take me away from the kids in the hall. And that was my big decision. I said, no, I will stay an usher. And it could be. So anyway, uh, from 84 to 85, uh, when we were actually kids, because uh, I heard your question. I'm asking your question. Oh, I heard it, your question. We're, we're all over the place. We're having fun. We're having fun. Uh, we're having fun. We're having and fun we're here. answering your question. Yeah, we are. Yes. Uh, from 84 to 85 is when we did our stage show every Monday at a club called The Rivoli on Queen of Spadina in Toronto. And we uh, we pretended that we had a TV show in the sense that it was always uh, new sketches, completely new sketches that we wrote every week. week. Every week. Wow. Uh, and then we slowly built an audience. And then by uh, like a year later, by the summer of 85, we were selling out and we were sort of a local cult thing. We sort of still are just a local cult <laughs> thing. And then um, this was 1985. Uh, and Lauren Michaels had quit uh, Saturday Night Live five years previous. That's right. That's yeah. when Dick Ebersole was like the, exactly the, right. Yeah, yeah. Good for you. You're yeah, a comedy yeah, guy. Oh God, I'm a comedy guy. You're a groundling. I'm You're a groundling. A, there you uh, go. And a historian too. Yes. And uh, now Sid Caesar, you know. Uh, <laughs> um, he uh, so he had just announced that he was coming back to Saturday Night Live, and he was sending talent scouts to all the comedy cities in North America, which were in New York. Boston, Chicago, L.A., San Francisco, and Toronto, because he had he had hired people from Second City. And How do you mean comedy first. cities? Like this, uh, where like comedy, where comedians start, where there's a scene. Gotcha. Um, uh, I would say there's a scene in those cities, mm-hmm. 
And uh, Toronto just barely had a scene, but he'd hired Dan Aykroyd from there. And, and, the, the second city, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 And Gilda Radner. And Gilda Radner. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, now the summer of 85... We'd done it every year. We'd done a, every week completely new sketches. We, Lauren Michaels wasn't in our universe. We didn't even think about that. Um, but Mark McKinney, uh, one of the mix, said, um, uh, "Why, you know, we have all the we, we're building an audience. We have all these sketches. Why don't we rent a theater for a week and we'll call it the best of the kids in the hall?" And that's what we did. We rented. We got a theater for free for handing out flyers for the theater. But we did the thing with it. But we, <laughs> Scott Thompson and I once. We uh, we were sick of handing out flyers, so we tied a giant elastic band around it, and we brought it to Lake Ontario, and we did a, uh, a tribal burial ceremony, and we threw it in the bottom of Lake Ontario. But don't tell anyone that. Oh, it's, it's, okay. it's bi- biodegradable. <laughs> yeah, it's biodegradable. they were paper flyers. They were paper if they flyers. Were, if they were styrofoam flyers, they were paper then you guys are rat bastard <laughs> ecological disasters. We're good. Okay, they were good, paper good. flyers. And then uh, we did the week show, and it became a, like a... a I don't know if sensation is the word, but sort of a sensation mm-hmm. in a small place. You know, like in Toronto, we were on Peter Zowski, like radio show. That was pretty exciting. That. that was a big one. That was time, pretty yeah. exciting. We were excited. We have much music. Um, the Globe and Mail gave us like an amazing review. And uh, because of that review, the guy that was coming to look for talent, uh, Yvonne Fasson, who later uh, ran the CBC. That's he, not a real name. Yeah. Yvonne Fasson. Yvonne Fasson. Oh, okay. But if you read it, it sounds like Ivan Fikin. <laughs> you got to know how to pronounce it. Ivan Fikin. <laughs> So Ivan Fekin, <laughs> he read the review about us, and he, he came to our last show, Sunday show, and it was such a real theater. The show had just started when he came in, and the real theater person was going, you can't go in, it's the theater. It's already started. And, yeah. Was he, he like, was he an usher? Uh, Maybe, right? <laughs> a theater usher. Oh, the irony. They're worse. <laughs> they don't have flashlights. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Ivan Fekin uh, <laughs> came in and saw us, and I guess he liked us. And the next day, I'll cut to the next day, I was calling my movie theater going, I can't come to work today. We just signed with the biggest comedy agent in Canada, and we have a conference call with Lauren Michaels. Okay, someone else has to usher Tootsie. <laughs> that was way past Tootsie. What was, what was 85? <laughs> Splash note with it. Uh, so uh, out of Africa, probably. Yeah, there you go. Right, right. <laughs> out of Africa. So um, that's, that's how um, we got connected, because this agent knew Lauren Michaels very well. She was Dave Thomas's wife, Pam Thomas, mm. and um, we got connected. Lauren Michaels didn't know what to do with this at first. He didn't want to pay for five tickets to first audition start in our live, like five flights and five hotel rooms. So he sent Franken and Davis, who were idols of ours. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Now he's a senator, Al Franken. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Tom Davis passed away, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are a comedy I historian. I know, I know those guys. So exciting. Yeah. I got to learn more about wrestling. <laughs> Uh, when I was a kid, Mighty Igor was my favorite wrestler. Wow. Do you remember Mighty Igor? No. Uh, yeah, it was way before wrestling was popular. Oh. <laughs> and he fought the Sheik. Not the Iron Sheik, but the guy called the Sheik. Yeah, the, the crazy Sheik. Yeah, yeah the, yeah, the that, crazy Sheik. They used to work. They, they were a Detroit-based company because the Sheik was really popular in Detroit. And then they would go to Toronto and work up Cause there. Because Detroit's so close to Toronto. Very close, right. yeah, exactly. Well, I didn't Mighty know Mighty Igor, Igor was, a, was a Toronto guy. I wasn't aware of that. He probably was not a Canadian or something, but he was on the circuit. But there was a big scene, though, in Toronto. Yeah, Tumble- Gene Tunney. And, uh, do you remember Gene Tunney? Well, Gene Tunney. Uh, uh, it might have been it Gene or was it Jack Tunney? There were a few Tunneys. There's a bunch of Tunneys. There were a few Tunneys. And uh, the nephew of one of them is uh, Eric Tunney, uh, a brilliant stand-up comedian who okay. later died. Because the but... thing was that the, uh, Jack Tunney used to be the – uh, ipso facto commissioner of right. the WWE, just all bullshit. But like, whenever there was an issue, whenever there was a, a, a problem 
we got to go to Commissioner Jack Tunney yes. and get oh, his yes. get his you know decision. Gene was his brother. Okay, and he 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 wrestled longer. Uh, there might have been a Frank Tunney as well. There's a few Tunneys. A lot of Tunneys. Because Eric's dad actually was the the least popular Tunney wrestler. <laughs> he he's the one that lost all the time. Okay, right. Okay, gotcha. So so uh, uh, Tunneys aside. You're talking about Franken and Davis came yeah, to, Frank and Davis to came. write with you? No, to oh. audition us. We uh, the, to the, audition you? Yeah, no kidding. Because it was cheaper to fly them, and the and the club that we played, we did a solo show just for Franken and Davis and Dave Thomas from SCTV because mm-hmm. his wife was our agent, and our agents were there. And it was so weird to do like a, like the lights went down, but there's only like a few people there, and they're comedy legends. Yeah. And it, it was like a two-hour – usually our shows are an hour and 20 minutes. We think that's a comedy time, right? Hour and 20. But it was like two hours because everybody wanted their pizza. And like they, <laughs> Get their shit in. Yeah, it was, it was horrible. And then I remember Al Franken, uh, they took us to dinner afterwards, and Franken said, um, you guys are good, but what are we going to do with five guys? Mm-hmm. So they hired Mark and Bruce, who were the, uh, the two older ones and the two best writers at that point. At that point! <laughs> uh, I was just learning. And um, Dave was really great. He, he could have been picked. Scott. And so, uh, <laughs> I'm kidding, Scott. Uh, so they hired um, Mark and Bruce as writers for Saturday Night Live, but our agent kept bugging Lauren Michaels. So finally, after a year of uh, the Anthony Michael Hall year, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, they wrote that year. That, that, was his, that was his first year back, Lawrence, yeah. and it was yeah. a shitty year. I mean, yes. so I'm walking over here to close the door. I might have to put the microphone down. All right, I'll fill with uh, the. Th- 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 do some, do some, some improv. Do 30 uh, seconds. Uh, uh, give me 30 uh, seconds, Kevin. Give me a, give me a, uh, give me a location. Oh, I'm at the Red River. Uh, I, hey, can I have some donuts, please? Give me a lot of donuts because I'm about to go on that ride that makes me sick. And uh, if I have a lot of donuts, there's a chance I might be really, really sick. So can I have a lot of donuts? I, I need more donuts. More donuts! Quick. Okay. NC. Good. Thank you. Good stuff. Thank you. Um, so, so, that's, so they hired those guys as writers. Yes. On that year, yes, well, they, they wrote on that uh, on the, what's considered maybe the worst. They didn't year. write very much good stuff then. No, uh, you know who else? No, Robert Downey Jr. was on that year as well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, uh, Robert Downey Jr., uh, Randy Quaid. They like Randy. Randy Quaid was was on Silent Live. I know he was. I know it's weird because he was a great movie actor. Now he's just crazy. I guess he was a great movie actor. Uh, but he was good on Saturday Night Live that year. And I remember uh, Mark and Bruce liked to write for him because he, okay. like, he, he committed. So there you go. I don't remember anything about that season except for Anthony Michael Hall and Robert Downey. I think they played uh, Simon and Garfunkel. That's yes. Yeah, remember that? Yes, I do remember that. And, and Randy Quaid, I think he's actually in Canada somewhere like on the run from the law. Well, yeah, he was. Is he still? Maybe he'll be here too. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe he'll come in. We got <laughs> Duff from Guns N' Roses. We got Randy Quaid. Randy Quaid the and, all-star uh, edition of Talk I love you the last detail. <laughs> He is so, a great actor. So, 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 but they didn't break you guys up, though. They just hired no, those writers. Usually, well, here's the thing about Kids in the Hall. The Mark and Bruce are heroes because usually what happens to a sketch troupe? The uh, Monty Python, even they were like formed by other people. They knew each other. But uh, uh, a real sketch troupe usually gets divided and conquered. They, uh, they never make it all the way to the end mm-hmm. of their career like we're doing because we're still together. <laughs> uh, and every few years we do a tour or a TV show or something. But we, uh, they usually get divided and conquered, meaning – Two get hired as writers. One becomes a, like a star on TV or something. Um, and so we just thought that was going to happen, that we were divided and conquered. It was over. Mm-hmm. But Mark and Bruce, because in Saturday Night Live, you do three weeks and then you get a week off. Then you do three weeks and then On their weeks off, they didn't rest. They came to Toronto and we did our Rivoli show again. Mm. And uh, it was during that year that we wrote some of the stuff that we later that later became more famous on the TV show. Mm. Like it was actually like a great year. And because we stayed together... 
because we were still perceived as a troop that gets in the hall. Lauren Michaels finally came down. Uh, we rented another theater, did another best of in 86, and he came and saw us. And it's funny. It was a bad night. There weren't many people there, and we were off. And then I remember uh, we were, oh, that's it. We went on a TV show. Then Lauren Michaels said, uh, no, you really tell how funny a person is on a bad night. He always says smart stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. So, so he fired Mark so and Bruce. So wise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He fired <laughs> As writers. And he signed us. It took a couple of years to find a network. I thought there was an armrest in my chair. <laughs> Now you're doing kind of a bit where like you, yeah. you, you, I'm not you're drunk. Doing, you're doing your McGloin bit where he just passes out with his eyes awake. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Right uh, on the on his on the show. You got to yes, see yes. it. We haven't seen that yet. But oh, when sorry. You do, when it comes out, it's very funny. It. Yes. Uh, he's editing it right now. Yeah, right, in front of me. Yeah, he's editing. It's a little rude, but he's I'm really not paying attention to what you're saying. I'm busy <laughs> editing uh, this next season. You do two things. Uh, yes, what I'm uh, saying yes to whatever I was saying before I fell was off it, the chair. Was it CBC that? that took- uh, well, it was HBO that originally did it. Wow! Um, and then they started panicking because they didn't have that much money. It was like before Sopranos, they just had like boxing and uh, <laughs> and movies. And so uh, then we um, uh, we thought, well, we're going to shoot in Toronto. Why not get CBC? So it became a partner thing. Ah, uh, gotcha, gotcha. Now you mentioned um, like SCTV, which is is is, is the seminal Canadian sketch show. Yes. And so classic. And, and like you mentioned, like the, the, what would happen is that somebody would get famous and then move on and they would have to get somebody else in there. Exactly. And that never, like, there was always like the lead guy and you guys never had that with kids. And it was all five of you were equals. Yes. Basically. You're right? so good. <laughs> we always figured this. Well, this is the way I look at it. Uh, look at Monty Python. Even John Cleese was a bit of a star. Yes. Uh, in SCTV, first it was John Candy, then it was mm-hmm. Martin Short. Mm-hmm. Saturday Night Live, right away, was Chevy Chase, and later became Belushi. The kids in the hall, we always figured the writing was the star. Mm. And it was, our, uh, it was our job to present the ideas. The writing is the most important thing to us. We, always, we know in our hearts that every, anyone in SCTV can outperform us. Any one of them can outperform any one of us. Like that's what I think, anyway. But writing-wise, I would take us as a, as writers. So that was our bread and butter. That's what we focused really uh, on the troupe, and we were we were just good enough actors to get like the ideas across. <laughs> the writing was the star. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy-six yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also seventy-six yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey, this is Chris Jericho inviting you to the first ever Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea. Picture this. Rock and roll, wrestling, comedy, live podcasting, all on the open ocean from October 27th to the 31st, 2018 from Miami to Nassau. I'm bringing Hall of Fame wrestlers, some of the greatest rock and roll bands on the planet, and putting the first wrestling ring on a cruise ship ever. Don't be a stupid idiot. Make the list. Check us out at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. No, I know. I know it's a cliche. But my favorite album of all time is still Sgt. Pepper. Sgt. Pepper, what's that? Well, it's only the Beatles' most famous album. The Beatles? I'm sorry, who are they? Well, the best group of the 60s. Oh, the 60s. I didn't hear much music in the 60s. What? What are you talking about? Well, Dad always was a little crazy, but... After the car accident, when he started taking the medication, things got worse. 
One night he woke me up and knocked me out. <laughs> Brought me down the basement where I lived for the next decade. I heard no music. I had no friends. I just lived in the darkness. They shoved food under my door so I had to eat pancakes and pizzas. <laughs> it was a nightmare. But I survived. That's horrible. I, I'm sorry. I... Of course I heard of the Beatles, you retard. So when you, when, when you did that first season, did you guys just get in a room like similar to this and just start throwing ideas around? Because the thing, like I mentioned earlier, Kids in the Hall is very much a comedy in uh, delivery. You know what I mean? Like the, the, so, right. But it's, it's a weird style of humor. It's, it's, it's definitely your own brand. Yeah. Yeah, we were lucky that we were... Uh, well, this is what I think about us. That we're not the five funniest guys in the world, but we're the five funniest guys in the world that work together. Mm-hmm. Now the Monty Python's retired. <laughs> <laughs> so did, did Lauren give you like a carte blanche, just do whatever you want? He did. He did. We were lucky that he, A, trusted us, and B, that he lived in New York and was working on Saturday Night Live, getting that back to, to being mm-hmm. a, a, like a great thing again, which he did and has been, has been for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, so he trusted us, and he was far away. So um, every now and then he would give us advice. Uh, but he, but he let us go because we we sort of have the we're in the same baseball diamond of thoughts the five of us mm-hmm. and that's uh, that's why it works and that's why we don't have to be the five funniest guys in the world we we sort of uh, were because the other guys in the troupe uh, Gary Frank Luciano uh, they were brilliant Gary Campbell was the one that should have become the major TV he's a major writer now he's a major success but I thought he uh, he was like st- going to be the new Steve Martin. Frank was brilliant. Lucha, I've already said, was better than Dave and I. Um, but when people quit and it became just the four of us, then Scott joined, it was the right chemistry. Like, you don't have to have an all-star team. Right. This is what I say. Uh, in 1985, uh, if you want to like, p- play the Russians in hockey, do you send an all-star team or do you send the Edmonton Oilers? Just send the Edmonton! I hurt my hand. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're a wrestler and you do things like that. I hurt my hand doing it. Anyway, you send the Edmonton Oilers because right. yeah. they're a good team. Because the team, yeah, the chemistry. And that's what the, I think the kids in the hall are. We're the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. The chemi- they had the right chemistry. They had great players who had the right chemistry. Yeah, well, it's like that in, a, in a rock and roll band, too. You, you might not have the best guitar player or whatever, but right. it's the chemistry of the five guys or four guys. And if one guy leaves, it can throw the whole band out of okay. whack. And the Beatles really took off when Ringo – and Ringo's just a drummer. I, one of the best drummers ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, – Really to cop because he added to the chemistry. Sure, the chemistry. Yeah, yeah he added yeah, to yeah. the chemistry. Yeah. Was it was Kids in the Hall a hit right off the bat? We were never a hit. Mm. Uh, we uh, we did five seasons, uh, and uh, we never had good ratings. I guess the fifth season we finally got decent ratings. HBO they didn't care about ratings. They, I don't even know if they did ratings back then mm-hmm. in HBO. Uh, we didn't really take off until the show was canceled. And uh, it was canceled like in 95. And then from 96 to 2000, Comedy Central in the States played us um, all the time. And that's the, the people who grew up watching us. That's what the, Some right. people didn't even know we were on HBO. Mm. And later CBS. The last two seasons we were on CBS. Really? Yeah, HBO canceled us after the third season. And then Lauren Michaels, being Lauren Michaels, uh, talked CBS. We were on at 3 in the morning in most places. <laughs> I remember uh, I used to go to Red River uh, Community College right down the road here. It's a great college. It's a great place. And I took a, it was called Creative Communications. And it was journalism, advertising, public relations, radio, all that stuff. And the one rule was that this is, dude, it was 1989, but it might as well have been in the 50s because there was no computers. Right. So you had to have a typewriter. 
And if you had one wrong uh, letter, you couldn't use whiteout. Oh, no. You had to oh, no. redo the whole thing. And I was oh, always, no. you know, typical college guy, Sunday night, shit's due Monday morning, and Kids in the Hall was on Sunday night. Oh. So I'd always watch the show while I'm typing out my thing. I don't know how many times you guys <laughs> messed with, like, oh, this is so how ridiculous. How much money do we owe you? Oh, I got to do it again. How so, much was your tuition? I'll leave a check. <laughs> but it was just like I would always screw up. Like you'd be right near the end and hit like an A instead of an E because yeah. I was too busy watching Sorry. your guys' show. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> well, yeah, we're that, we're, that should be our slogan. We're so funny, we'll ruin your career. Yeah. <laughs> You'll fail college <laughs> for that funny. Say, yeah. Uh, so when, when I remember the big thing too at the time was, was Brain Candy. You mentioned it earlier. Uh, that was a kids in the hall movie, but not uh, not a critical favorite, not a critic's favorite. Uh, yeah, it was mixed. Uh, some critics liked it, and some critics hated. It. We're surprised. Like I still think it's a good movie. Yeah, like yeah. I watch, and but now we we keep waiting for it to become a cult favorite. I guess that's not going to happen. Mm. But I think the the critical reception has turned around. Yeah, yeah. A little, as, as it does. I think people have certain expectations. Yeah. Of which one? Because the idea of the movie was like there was like you mentioned some. The professor and what happens? He has a TV. What is it? He's um, uh, a scientist. Discovers a uh, invents a pill that's a cure for depression. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the Lauren Michaels type uh, guy who is the president of the pharmaceutical company, uh, they need a big hit. It's sort of like an analogy to a TV show, yeah, yeah. like Lauren Michaels. Uh, it needs a big hit, so they release the pill before the scientist is finished testing it. Uh, and it becomes really popular. The the the, the scientists originally thought it was going to be just prescribed by a psychiatrist. Uh, the scientist, psychiatrist, did I say the right thing? Uh, but it becomes so popular, it goes over the counter, and everyone in the city starts taking it. So everyone's like stupidly happy. And then because they didn't test it, there's side effects, and uh, people get in what we call glycoma. So they sort of just freeze, <laughs> smiling. And that's. <laughs> and so then the, the scientist, like Frankenstein, has to work against his own monster, his own pill, and starts fighting against it, which I think is a great movie. And it's funny. People, people wanted. Lorne Michaels was surprised. He said, uh, so Is it going to be Chicken Lady or Head Crusher movie? And we said, um, we, no, we're not going to put our camera. We're, we're writing a story. I think we were too ambitious. I think our first movie should have been a gag fest. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like the, can I talk about the Beatles again? Please. <laughs> um, the Beatles worked their way up to Rubber Soul and Revolver and Sgt. Pepper. They did She Loves You and I Want to Hold Your Hand and, um, and then A Hard Day's Night. They were, we jumped into Revolver. Right off the bat <laughs> for your first record. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we tried to be mature right away. And I, I think it's a pretty good movie, but I think it would have been even better for two things. If Dave Foley hadn't quit the troupe, he still had to do the movie, uh, but he was mad at us. And he was uh, he was on news radio, and he was right to be mad at us. We weren't quite ready to do the the movie, but we did it. And um, he uh, so we missed his joke power, and we missed his ideas. We missed his. So writing. he wasn't writing with you guys. He wasn't right. He was at first, but very early on, he quit. The thing is, he quit the day after he signed the contract, so he had to be in it. Mm. Uh, thank God he was in it, but we really missed his writing. And why did he quit? Uh, <laughs> I mean, you don't have to get into it, but it's a typical, like, you know, you mentioned the Beatles. Uh, yeah. We mentioned the Beatles once or twice. Call back. And, um, Call back. <laughs> so when you have, like, a troop of five guys, it's hard. It's like being in a band, because yeah. I know it's like a five-way marriage. And you yeah. got, you know, certain guys that get get uh, get along better than the others and yeah. that sort of a thing. Yeah, it's it's complicated. Well, Dave was in news radio, and that was doing well, and he was becoming a star. And he, had, he was flying in from Los Angeles to Toronto to, um, mm. to write with us. And the, the, this is how the kids in the hall works. It's Mark and Bruce on one side. And they were always uh, – they cared more about the mood and the theme and the spirit of the sketch and the comedy. Dave and I on the other side, comedy. It's got to be funny. Is it funny? Um, uh, and Scott, 
like a guy who votes Republican or Democrat depending on the candidate <laughs> would bounce back and forth. That's yeah. how it went. Yeah. So uh, Dave and I were a team. We're the best friends of the troop. I mean, like, there's no one closer in the troop than Dave and I. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can sort of see that in our scenes together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we um, uh, – but we had a falling out. I was – I went to years of psychiatry uh, later, so I knew I was jealous of Dave's success. Mm. Um, but also, Dave, he had written a script for his uh, movie, which he later shot, and it's a great movie, The Wrong Guy, and I'm lucky enough to be in it. And he wanted to, he didn't think our uh, Brain Candy script was ready, so, and it wasn't at that point. He was right. Uh, so he wanted to do uh, Wrong Guy. So he, he wanted to delay the movie. And then so him and I started arguing, mm. and it was sort of my fault that he quit because <laughs> we're the best because it wouldn't be the worst. Enemy. It wouldn't be the guy that he had the most trouble with the kids in the hall that would make him quit because he's used to that. It would be the guy that he that yeah. was his best friend. Right, right, right. I was going to say that, too. Like when he got news radio, um, does that make the rest of you guys think like, what the hell's going on here? Are we are we kids, are we kids in the hall? Like did that, that cause some issues? Well, no, because the, for my part, no, because the show was over. But I did worry logistically, but how are we going to be able to do the movie? Gotcha. Yeah. But oh, we, the show was over at yeah, that yeah, point. Yeah, right, show, right, right. It's funny. The show got canceled right before we signed to do a movie. And we only got signed to do a movie because Uncle Lauren had to deal with Paramount. And he had just done Wayne's World. Mm. So I, I, I would love to be that meeting because uh, he signs a five-picture movie. And then they go, um, so what's your next movie, Lauren? We're really excited. Well, there's kids in the hall. Sorry, who? <laughs> Children? Lost children, you're doing. Uh, <laughs> that's our five picture contract. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. So yeah, so so after the movie was done, then the kids are basically done. We thought we were done, right? Uh, so four years, we did our separate adventures. Dave and I got back together right away. We uh, we, we prepared the friendship. We prepared the friendship. Uh, he found out that I was in Hollywood. Um, that I just um, I hadn't moved yet, but I was at a hotel auditioning and stuff. Not auditioning in the hotel. I gone to a hotel and for that summer. I was auditioning stuff. And he, he he doesn't know this, but um, he, he, our makeup call. I was naked in the bath. <laughs> Which sort of makes sense. So, so Dave Foley, if you're listening, with Sid Caesar and uh, uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, whoever else we were talking about, Neil earlier. Simon, Neil naked Simon, in the bath, there you go. and Duff. Is, <laughs> so let me ask you. So this happened to me too. Like, uh, and that's actually where the premise of "But I'm Chris Jericho" started. Huh? Was I made you know made my my name in one field or from one thing. Then tried to get into acting or study the, the, the acting, and, and like you know, you'd go sit in a room with forty other people that look exactly like me to deliver one line. You know, these pretzels are making me thirsty for <laughs> CSI Sheboygan or whatever. And you're like, nobody gives a shit. Like, but I'm Chris Jericho. Like, I have a life. Like, was it like that for you when the kids break up and you mentioned you had to go audition? Yeah, you know, it was weird. Uh, yeah, because from '96 to 2000, we were having separate adventures, and mine was auditioning, and um, it feels like. Forever, where I got my first part, but it was actually only like three, two or three months. But mm-hmm. it felt, but I was auditioning a lot, so it felt. And one person called my agent and told me that he should t- he should take acting lessons. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and I was crushed. But this is what I think. This is what I think. This is what got me through it. Mm. No, I can act. I'm just bad at auditions. I'm terrible at auditions. Yeah, I the, hate auditioning. And and whether I'm lying to myself or whether we're lying to ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Auditions are stupid. It, it helped me survive. In fact, um, the next uh, they told me that that morning when I was on the way to an uh, audition, and it was I was auditioning for the TV show of a very famous woman, Nora Ephron, mm-hmm. the, the the writer and director Sleep of Sleepers in Seattle. Seattle. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I came in and I broke down in front of her. But you told me I have to take acting lessons. <laughs> 
and I, I can't read this part. I'm not good enough. And then she, she like, she mothered me. She was like, <laughs> okay, crazy man. <laughs> crazy man. And she, uh, she, like, talked me through the part. And she said, yeah, it's not great. Um, but uh, you, you're really upset right now. Why don't you come back next week? And um, uh, I, it would have been a good story if I got the part. I didn't. But I was much better next week. But I took uh, acting lessons. And the next part after that, that I auditioned for, uh, I got my first part. Which I, was? It was for a TV show that was canceled right away. Uh, but, uh, oh, don't go blank, Evan. I'm aging, so I forget people's names. A really great stand-up comic. It was his first TV show. And he died a few years ago. Oh, wow. And I forget his name. Greg? Uh, Greg? Oh, Greg... Uh... Uh, uh, Geraldi, Geraldi? Yes! Geraldi? yes, that's it, that's it, that's yes, it. Five hundred, I get it. That's Thanks, it. Alex. And it was that's it. And it was so fun working with him. He was so, he was such a great guy. And he was so funny. Mm-hmm. But work, I only had a week. I was only like a guest part. But that was the beginning of me getting parts. What other, what other stuff did you do? Um, well, like within a year, I was like getting good parts. Like um, I played Guru Saj in an episode of Friends. I, uh, <laughs> that's right. That's right. What was what was the what was the part on that? Uh, it was a guy, um, uh, David Schwimmer's character. What's his name? I don't even Ross. remember. Ross. Thank you, Ross. Yeah. He had a boil on his um, ass. And uh, the doctors couldn't get it off. So uh, I was like a spiritual East guy. <laughs> and uh, well, what we do is we love the boil. and then we. But uh, I can't get it off until I accidentally, like, uh, it gets caught in my watch. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do something on Seinfeld, too? Yes. I was, I was, I, I was uh, the same year, like, right after that. Then I got uh, the part of um, denim vest in Seinfeld. What was denim vest? Denim vest. I wear uh, like a uh, a blue jean jacket, a blue jean shirt, and blue jean pants. <laughs> and I'm hitting on. You know what uh, that's called a Canadian tuxedo. Yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. I didn't know that was bad until I got that part. <laughs> yeah. And you're hitting on Elaine. Elaine. See, I forgot her name too. I'm hitting on Elaine, and she's like, oh, "Look who's staring at me, denim vest." And then like. <laughs> Was that a fun set to be on? That was fun. It was uh, Jerry Seinfeld was uh, totally in charge at that point. Larry David had gone a couple of years earlier. It was a lot, the last season, and he was totally in charge. He told the director what to do. He told the writers what to do. He, like he, t- he told the cast what to do. Like even the regulars, but like in a good way. Yeah. Like like he was all positive. Like he wasn't mean or anything. But he was totally in charge. Uh, it's funny because you rehearse all day and you shoot all day, and then he stayed with the writers all night. Like it was um, to rewrite, or yeah, to... yeah, because every show rewrites. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Was there a lot of people at that time, like Kids in the Hall, like obviously uh, as popular as you were, and also doing this entirely new, almost new brand of comedy? Was there a lot of those type of like Hollywood guys that were big fans of, of Kids? Yeah, in the Hall? that was just the beginning of it, though. It happened more in the two thousands, but uh, but yeah, there were, what it was would be the writers. The writers who became producers, they were uh, at auditions when I right before I auditioned in front of them. They would say, uh, "It's when we love the kids in the hall." And they, mm-hmm. and that was nice. But it was between '96 and 2000 when I was doing all these TV parts and movie parts that uh, our show was on Comedy Central, and, and that's when we became big. And all of a sudden, there was a demand for us. So then we did our comeback tour in 2000, and, and we've done a lot of tours since. But that was. Like the, the biggest one. one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you guys do, like you said, you still do live shows and tour around, which yeah. is, and do you do... And do so, sketches, too. Do you man. do, like, some of your classic sketches? We do uh, all new stuff? The first couple of tours, we only wrote a couple of new sketches and we did best of. Then we got bored. In 2007 tour, we, it was all new. And then, uh, and we were really excited about that. It was good stuff, too. Um, and then we, uh, the, the, the tour last, uh, two years ago that we did... We wanted to please everybody. We're getting like nice in our old age. 
So we did half classics and half uh, new new stuff. Which is, I mean, that, and that's kind of it's like, like once again relating it to rock and roll. You play, you know, your new songs, but people want to see the hits. Yeah, too. I know exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. what are some of the biggest hits that you have as kids in the hall? Uh, from the TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the the two that I said, Mark McKinney, the those hit are crusher. both his. Yeah, yeah, they're both his. Does he have an ego in the in the in the band? He does. Of it? He doesn't really. <laughs> he also knows they both came because of me. Why? Uh, well, the chicken ladies uh, knows the head crusher sketch. The head crusher sketch. Um, well, first of all, you have to go back a few years, 85, when we were struggling comics in Toronto. Uh, 84, before that, we, we, we weren't discovered by Lauren Michaels. And um, Mark and I were performing that night at Theater Sports, and we were on a double date uh, with uh, two women. Uh, we went to a restaurant called Franz. Great, famous for rice pudding, but it was so famous you couldn't order it because it was always sold out. Really? I that's, love rice pudding. I know. Well, don't go to France. It's too good. <laughs> it's too good to eat. Uh, so we were there on a double day with the women, and the women were hating us. It was obvious they were hating us. We were being funny, we thought, and then they, they, they would sigh and take another bite of their food. And then out of the blue, Mark had never done this before, but he was super inspired. He went to both the women, I'm crushing your head. I'm crushing your head. And I laughed, and the women left. Uh, <laughs> Not a good pickup line. Yes. This fucking guy said he was going to crush my head. He's crush my head. Yeah. And then cut to three years later, uh, Lauren Michaels uh, finally uh, has a sign to do a pilot for HBO and CBC. He brings us to New York for six months. He puts us in a – it's actually a big closet. It was like an office, but it was like the, the, the closet at his building that he owned. And oh yeah, we shared the uh, we shared the uh, office with two guys um, from the IRS who were auditing Lord Michaels, and it was really cute. <laughs> We'd be writing jokes, and you could hear the two guys by their counting machines laughing, <laughs> <laughs> laughing about how much money they're going to stick Lord Michaels. Yeah, it was Lord Michaels. Yeah, <laughs> and Lord was really nice. Oh, these are the two guys auditing me. Uh, Chris and Peter. Chris and Peter. This is the kids in the hall. <laughs> like he was really nice, <laughs> but. He, uh, we were writing stuff. Some, uh, we were writing some of our uh, best scenes from the stage show to the pilot. But Lauren encouraged us to think of a few new things that were filmic. And then I said to Mark, I said, "Remember that time three or four years ago we were on the, the double date, uh, and you said I'm crushing your head, I'm crushing." Your head. And he remembered. And he said, "Yeah, no one would like that." And then I said, "This is the classic thing." I said, "Mark, if you do this on TV, college kids will be doing it all over the country." Wow. And that's how, the uh, prophet, yes, Nostradamus McDonald, yes, but he but, created it. But, I just reminded but him. But you of never it. know what's going to be popular. You no. know what I mean? Like with your time, like you know, like in wrestling with catchphrases and different things. Like I'll, I would, I got this thing right now with the list, and I, I put you on my list. It became the biggest thing I've ever done. Oh wow! I'm selling wow. lists now, it's a stupid clipboard. Well, I'm gonna, you just made the list, and people went nuts for it. You never know, right? Like you think that that's not even funny, but. Didn't matter. People liked it. And the crushing head thing, yeah. it's like I'm doing it right now. You close one eye and yeah. I'm crushing I'm crushing. He's crushing my head. head. Yeah. It hurts a little. But people people loved it. Yes. I, that's the one time in my life I had a feeling. Mm. I really did. Mm. I, I really had a feeling. Like I, I got our audience. I got that we were like um, not as good as Monty Python kind of thing. Mm. And it was uh, weird things like Silly Walks. and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ministry of Silly Walks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. John Cleese walking. The silly. Lumberjack, you know, like just yeah. stuff that people could relate to. And it seemed like th- that it was, uh, it was exactly like that. Something you could relate to, but that was also silly and nobody mm. else would have thought of. And it seemed like something um, uh, that the, would work. But I've never been right before or after. <laughs> since. <laughs> what about the chicken lady? Chicken lady, uh, I wrote a scene called um, Freak where I'm a guy um, at a, a fair, I'm a nosebleeder, uh, but I've been to a self-help group, 
So uh, there's kids going, come on, we paid our 10 cents to bleed. And, no, I don't have to bleed for you. Uh, I know how, what I'm worth, and I, I, don't, I, I don't have to. I don't feel like nose bleeding today. And <laughs> it's a scene I like, but nobody really remembers it. But, but I wrote it, when I, and I brought it to the read-through. Originally, well, I say, the nose bleeder says, go to the chicken lady. Uh, she'll, drop her, uh, she'll lay her eggs at the drop of a hat. She's an emotional dependent. But I, uh, but I didn't have her in it. And then when I read it, everybody liked it. And Bruce McCullough's note was, you know, we should see the chicken lady. The scene should end with her laying eggs. Come on, kids. Watch me lay eggs. Don't go away. And so, um, so I rewrote it. I thought that was a good idea. And out of the, I said, who do I cast? Mark's a little light in this show. Okay, so I could cut to the chicken lady, Mark a player. And so then Mark, uh, he was light in the show. So all week uh, when we were at the studio, like uh, blocking and rehearsing and stuff, he stayed in his chicken lady costume and his chicken lady character. And there was a choreographer for another scene. And he got her to the teacher walking like a chick. He wasn't even he, the chicken lady doesn't even walk in my scene. Mm-hmm. And so he got into this character and he came up with that chicken lady was a horny. And he one night he wrote the sketch. And even though we had already picked the scenes and everything, we had sets for, for everything. It was so good that we said, "Oh, we got to put it in right now." So we borrowed another set, and the, the chicken lady was. Uh, that's it how the chicken so lady disgusting. was disgusting. Like it's yeah. such gross. Like like you said, laying the eggs, but she wants. To- well, the, the the classic thing is that uh, yeah, the, the the best part of that the first sketch, and we did like eight or nine. The best part of that, and they were all good. The best part of that sketch was um, he's at, uh, chicken lady's on a blind date with Dave, and it's not going well. So chicken lady feeds her some eggs, uh, feeds him some eggs. And Dave eats the eggs. Oh, they're actually pretty good. And chicken, they're straight out of my body and onto your plate. <laughs> I remember that. I remember the studio audience like being horrified. <laughs> what were some of your uh, like regular characters? Um, <laughs> right, right from my body onto your plate. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah so my body not onto your plate. Like, it says it so cheerfully. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then Dave screams and leaves. <laughs> Uh, well, my favorite one was um, uh, the King of Empty Promises. Mm-hmm. I only did it twice, where I promised to to do do things for people and then I don't. <laughs> and then, so yeah, so people go, "Oh, uh, did you tape the Simon and Garfunkel album?" Uh, oh yeah, yeah, no. They, uh, was, first it starts with, uh, "Look, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll tape that Simon and Garfunkel album for you. You'll do that. We'll do." And then the next day, go, "Do you have it?" Slip my mind. <laughs> And that was a bit of a catchphrase thing for a second. I remember we'll do. We'll do something. And that's sort of based on what I'm like as a person. Oh, you showed up here. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, no, I'm getting better. Uh, well, I show up to things. Yeah. <laughs> if I said I, I, I told you I'd bring you a book, I probably would have it okay. slipped my mind. Slipped my mind. <laughs> yeah, bring you that book. So that was, that was, that was a good one. That was a, that was a good one. And uh, also the David and I, Simon and Hecubus, uh, where we, uh, we're two people who are bad at being evil. Sort of, sort of like a subconsciously stolen from Count Floyd from SCTV. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, where I, uh, I guess my catchphrase was a word where evil, and then, <laughs> and then uh, yeah, Hecubus comes up from the ground and he's the spawn of Satan. And that's, uh, that's yeah, 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 but not good at being evil. Yeah, that what, was fun to what do. Were your, uh, some of your favorite SCTV characters? Oh, uh, it's funny the because I saw it as a kid with my mom. Uh, the first thing we loved was uh, John Candy as Johnny LaRue. Great. Because uh, I mean, the first thing he had a, like a, a workout show, but he was, he was like overweight and he was smoking. <laughs> With his jacket that said JL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he couldn't do a push-up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I loved all the Eugene Levy characters. I love the two news guys, Earl Cannonbear and the other. Floyd Robertson. Floyd that's it. Earl Cannonbear. Earl Cannonbear. He was also great too in the 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 Sammy Maudlin show. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. With he was Bobby Bittman. Bobby Bittman. 
How are you? I saw him do it live a few weeks ago in Toronto at SCTV Benefit. It was amazing. Really? He did it? Yeah, yeah, he did. Bobby, it. Bobby, yeah. It's great too because Bobby Bitman. Yeah. He's a Bitman, you know? But that was a great that was a great character. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Eugene Levy Center, my favorite. Did you ever have like that would have been that would have been kind of a cool like SCTV versus Kids in the Hall? Uh, it's funny what because Dave and Scott and I did a benefit with them. But yeah, like I said, performance wise, they would always like wipe the floor with us. Mm-hmm. Even now, mm-hmm. Eugene Levy's seventy and he was like amazing. Dude, he's so funny. Do you yeah. ever seen Shit's Creek? Uh it's funny, Bruce McCullough just directed some. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And um, with Kim and Catherine O'Hare have such great I know, I know. And Catherine Harris are my favorite too. They're they're like both my favorite. So great, yeah. Everyone's my favorite. But just think, it's it's like that era that every single one of those people on that show went on to I know. a big star. Everyone. I know, I know. I mean, you had a couple, like maybe like a Tony Rosado or a Robin Duke, but even they ended up on SNL. And Robin Duke's amazing. She was on the show, like live, she's like amazing. Really, yeah, She yeah. did a sketch that Catherine Harris sort of was a straight man for. And, like, no one could be Robin Duke live. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. It didn't maybe translate to TV at that particular time during Saturday Night Live and stuff. Like, it's just, like, bad timing. But she's brilliant. Mm-hmm. She's brilliant. So, so when you watch uh, comedians today, and, like, is, is there any sketch shows on now? I mean, well, uh, I, I love Keen Peel. Yeah, they're good, yeah. I mean, like, it's off now, but I love Keen Peel. Two, two guys, but still. It's, it's yeah. Stuff. yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 But just for sketch shows, I liked Inside Amy Schumer. It was, uh, like, the good scenes are great. Yeah. Um, the Kroll show I haven't seen yet. I got a Nick Kroll show. I, I guess that they don't do it anymore. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, but I hear it's great, and I just haven't seen it because I'm a busy guy in Winnipeg <laughs> <laughs> with my fake sunglasses. Do you still do a lot of like auditioning and stuff? That's funny because you came here today because originally you might yes. not have been able to. Yes, but, but you, you 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 blew the audition on purpose, which I appreciate. Well, I'm kidding, but it wasn't an audition. It's just uh, they um they uh what they did. It was for a sitcom, uh, Man with a Plan, mm-hmm. a Man LeBlanc show. They asked my availability, so I never had to audition. But when they just ask your availability, that means you're their, uh, like, plan B. Yeah. But they're trying to get plan A. Yeah. And I, I guess hate, they got plan I A. Yeah, they got plan A. I hate that <laughs> shit, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing worse than when, like, you, you do, like if you do an audition and you're like, oh, I just totally nailed it, and you don't get a callback. Or yeah, they yeah, ask yeah. your availability and they don't call you back. You know, it's yeah. like show business stuff, man. And the opposite is weird. Uh, ten years ago, I auditioned for a, a Disney show, like a like an over the top Disney show, and I thought, oh, I was horrible, but I got it. Mm. But it was hard. I'm known as, the kids in the hall always make fun of me that I'm the most over the top kid mm-hmm. in the hall uh, that I make the big faces, um, and they but they would have been proud of me because no matter how big I went during the week of the rehearsal in the Disney show. Um, I couldn't satisfy the guy. He kept saying, "Kevin, you've got to do it yeah, bigger." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I was bleeding from the gums, I couldn't. <laughs> I was doing it like this. Hey, kids, come... like, the bigger. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm gonna have a stroke. They yeah. want that though. Like from the, I did yeah. a couple of Disney shows and Nickelodeon shows, and they want you to be that can't be seen. Choose. I thought I chewing. could do it. Yeah, I thought yeah, I could. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm on a Disney show now. Uh, uh, it's called Walk the Prank. The, about to start the third season. I like. Walk the prank. Walk the prank. Okay. Walk the prank. Oh, the, the Trevor Morris, the uh, guy who created it, he's the showrunner. And he's from the sketch troupe 10 years ago, The Whitest Kids You Know, which is a really good sketch That's show. That's another one, yeah. And because he's cool, it's um, it's like a Disney show. Um, it's got the typical Disney show stuff. Um, but he's thinking in good, like, cool stuff. Like, for example, uh, when we're filming a scene, I, had a, I, I played the math teacher. And I had a scene with uh, some of the kids. And he between takes, he came to me and he said, uh, when that uh, little girl says that to you, Go to a very dark place. <laughs> and I did. I thought, oh, it's too dark. He said, no, that was perfect. <laughs> like, what was because that? of me, my, my character, I, like I'm thinking suicide. 
the kid's right. I and I and I. Th- <laughs> The words are like a Disney thing, but you got stuff like Trevor Moore going, go to a very dark place. <laughs> For the Disney show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Kids in the Hall still doing shows and still... Yeah, and uh, the, the, the Lauren and lots of people want us to do... Uh, we're we're, gonna set, we're trying to set up a conference call for next week to do a thing like Mr. Show did a few uh, years ago. They uh, they did six new episodes on Netflix, mm-hmm. and we have so much new material. We'd write more new material, of course, but we have so much new material from all the last tours It'd be very easy. Yeah, because you haven't done anything on TV. Yeah. Right? Like it's well, no, we did stuff. We did do something in uh, 2010. We did a miniseries called Death Comes to Town. Right. Right, right. We, we tried that. that. That was CBC and IFC. But what, what was, that was like more of like a storyline. Yeah, it was, it was a story. Sketch, right? it was, yeah. yeah, because the, the idea was originally thought of as a movie, mm-hmm. and then we just came up with so many ideas that became a miniseries. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, we get together. The plan was, Chris... Uh, to be like Monty Python, to have a TV show for five years, which we did, like them, to do a movie, uh, which we did, and have the movie so wildly successful, we would do a movie every three or four years. Mm-hmm. So the plan stalled when the movie was a bomb. Though we do love the movie, it's, I, I, I do think it's a good movie. It was a bomb. Yeah. Well, our nickname. Our nickname for it is uh, cost eight million, gro- gross three million. <laughs> That's our nickname. <laughs> so that's all things, but we still do a version of that. We get together every three or four years and either do a tour or a, or a miniseries. Mm. So we still have that blueprint. So we're still together. How is that when uh, I talked to Rain Wilson about this when he did his big oh, movie great. called The Rocker? All he right. Was, but he's like, you know, it was once again, it was a bomb. Yeah. And even MacGruber, when I did it, was a bomb. How, how, I gotta see McGruber. I know I'd love it. It's, I, it's really fun. It's you know I, I, it's I it's, it's real campy slapstick, but it's fun. I know I love it. It's another one that's become a cult classic yeah, that, that's in the be, back yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. But when you when it first came out, I think I think the budget was six million or whatever the same right. thing. And, and you read the first first weekend, one point three million like uh, in one theater. No, no, that's the whole thing. Yeah, and it's just like oh man, it wasn't same even my us. movie. But how was it? Were you guys following like? Oh yeah, well we had a big time agent, Michael Gruber. He was a big time agent in Willie Morris, and so he t- the first week because it wasn't released at many theaters. We were in the game. It was uh it wasn't released at many theaters, and we had finished number ten. In the top ten for like uh, for uh, a very small amount of theaters, so we were in the game, and we thought, well, now the word of mouth is going to pick up. And then the next week, we weren't in the top hundred. A- anybody who wanted to see our uh, movie saw it the first weekend. Yeah, yeah, I was there. I saw it in the theater. Thank you very much. I remember walking up being very confused. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe after see, see it thing, again. You this, this happens like when you're a kid. Well, I was a kid. What was it ninety six? So I was twenty five, and you're thinking like you're expecting a. And you get B. Right. So I think that throws you off quite a bit. Yes. You know what I mean? The hardcore kid fans are disappointed, but I swear if you see it now. I got to go good, watch it again with it's, different eyes. It's a good movie. I, it's, it's a good, um, sometimes, and God bless us, we sacrifice jokes to add to the story. Mm-hmm. Which, in the old days, Dave and I would have fought against that, but, uh, but I was like confused. But uh, there's a lot of funny stuff in it, and it is a pretty good story. We can never really figure out the ending. But it, <laughs> So that's why it's ambiguous. I uh, Chris Cooper could be under like the, the, that's a character I play the scientist. Yeah. He could be underground. He could be working to fix his drug. Because <laughs> right, right, right. we were like seventies fans, so we wanted it to be ambiguous. But... Well, sure, sure. And that, but once again, it's something. It's very kids to do that. You do your own. Yeah. If people expect something, you always kind of change, yes. flip the script on them. You know what I mean? But I'm very proud of it. It has Cancer Boy in it, and that was later stolen from the movie. Thank you for uh, smoking. They put like a character named Cancer Boy in it. What, what, who's, what does Cancer Boy do? Cancer. Boy... Bruce McKellar plays Cancer Boy, <laughs> and he's on the drug to make him happy. 
And I go, oh, uh, is the drug working? Do you feel better? He goes, no, there's no hope for me. <laughs> and he says, each day's a gift. And he keeps, like, wheeling his wheelchair <laughs> yeah, in a circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to see the movie again. I will. I'm gonna it's watch a good it movie. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm laughing because one of my favorite kids' sketches, uh, uh, a lot of my favorite kids' sketches don't have you in it. Yeah, I hear that a lot. You, you, you might have been <laughs> in the one where Bruce Luce loses his pen. My pen. I was in that. My pen. It's even worse. The two that you said I wasn't in, I have been in. I've been <laughs> in one of those guys. So that's not that's the even worse. Focus, right? Yeah. I'm the guy whose pen I I take his pen. So you're the guy who's driving away with his. Yeah, pen. Yeah, yeah. I'm driving yeah. away with his pen, and I hardly notice him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My pen. My pen. Yeah, and and that's Bruce's curse. Of his life for the past twenty five years, oh people like see him and go, "My pen, my pen." But see, that's how it is. Once again, I every single person. So did I make the list? Am I on the list? Am I on the list? I'm like, and that's just been a year. Like I'm gonna have to deal with this for the rest of my life. life. Wow, on the list? I'm on the list. But that's uh, it's good to know that you created something that people uh, yeah. enjoy and, and, and revere. That's amazing. Yeah. What um What's your favorite kids sketch ever? Uh, well, when people ask me that, I always say this way. Uh, because it would be different every day. But the Kids in the Hall sketch that defines the Kids in the Hall the best, and, and, and it has all five of us in it. It sort of gets the spirit of it. It's a great idea. Bruce McCullough thought of it, then we all wrote it through improv. Uh, it's, it's in the pilot. It's called Reg. And for the five of us, are, um, it's very Canadian. We're like sitting out in the woods. We're having beer, and we're sad that our friend Reg died. Because you're a Canadian. When you're 19 or 20, you always have one friend who died. Mm. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Canadian Midwest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That is true, Kevin. Yeah, it is. Well, thanks, Canada. Tom Parker died. <laughs> yeah. Tom Parker was my guy who died. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then we're really sad, and we're talking about Reg, and we're going through like things about a uh, man. He had perfect hair. He had perfect, He could skate. Oh, he was a great skater. And, um, and then we start. Well, it, it goes into it. You know, one day you're like uh, you, you, you and your friends, Reg. You're going to college. You got to pick a, a course um, uh, that you're gonna like. Maybe that'll be your job and that'll be your career. And then you graduate college and you get that job and you marry a woman and you got you're stuck with that job no matter um, uh, the, whether you like it or not because you have wife and kids now. Yeah. And then one day you're sneaking behind Reg with piano wire, good strong piano wire, <laughs> and it turns out we killed him. But to me, it defines the truth because. We killed him, but there's a disconnect. We're also sad that he's dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without realizing that it was our fault. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and at the end when we go, um, to good friends, good times, to ritualistic murders, to Reg. <laughs> and totally straight deadpan yeah, totally too, straight, right? Yeah, totally the, straight The dark deadpan. comedy of, of Totally of straight deadpan, yes. Dude, yeah. And I would say that's the trip that least best defines us and yeah, yeah, yeah. in many ways is the best uh, sketch. Last thing I just want to uh, just bring it up quickly because you mentioned it. So uh, in doing um, – but I'm Chris Jericho. I meet a lot of great guys in Toronto. And so my cousin Lee is uh, – like you know, I, I don't really know what he does. He's like an improv comic and he teaches improv overseas and that's – you know I know a little bit. But then apparently yep. he's like – He's a comedy genius. He's brilliant. I – um. I do think that I'm um, one of my talents is that I know talented people mm-hmm. um, um, because um, like I see a stand-up comic and I see oh he has great jokes but he doesn't – to me you have to be a natural comic. You have to not just tell great jokes. You have to uh, have that a, comic timing. Is there a vibe or timing? Yeah, a vibe, but, and a vibe. Yeah, there's, there's something that if you like taped his, his or her mouth shut, they could still be funny. Mm. Um, and, um, and I've seen a lot of improv in the past few years because I go to improv uh, theaters to teach as well, how to write sketches. And um, I can honestly say 
the Lee, your cousin, is one of the best uh, improvisers and a com- I've ever seen and a comedy genius. He's a totally mm. – um, I, I told somebody that, and they told him, and he said he freaked out when he heard that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to tell him, too, because like yeah, he, he never com- said a word. I had no idea just how good he was, because Mike yeah. uh, Fly, who directed But I'm Chris Jericho, told me, like, dude, yeah. he is the man. He's a legendary guy yeah. on the scene. He's legendary, uh, He's and, and his partner, Steve, is also amazing, and they're the best comedy, they're the best improv team I think I've ever seen. And, mm, wow. Because the, the, the kids in the hall... We were just we used improv to be funny in it. Mm-hmm. Um, now later, I think I got a little better at it. But back back in the day, only Mark and Dave were technically good improvisers. We just used it to be funny. Lee and Steve, um, they uh, crumbs, they do both. They they're technically good at improv and they can be really funny. And they do a third thing. They tell like a good story during the mm-hmm. improv. And Lee's uh, absolutely a comedy we genius. We should get him. Uh, we we we. Yeah. Here's what we should do. We <laughs> should get him a, a tryout on SNL. Could you could you get can you, can you hook that up, McDonald? You know, I'm well, I wonder. At the very least, I could. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I could try. I mean, you know, that's <laughs> also just, writing too. Like he could probably. That's uh, what I mean. Like he's, I think. I think you know he likes doing the overseas thing, but that could be kind of cool. Let's 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 see what we can do. Yeah, yeah. You and I will call Lord. <laughs> yeah, we will. We'll call him, yeah. Kevin. Thank you. Great talking to you, We're man. About to shake We're hands. Shaking hands. He's very strong. No, he went soft. And thank you very much. Ow, my hand. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh, I made you an omelet on account of I figured you might not like bugs. Oh, thank you. Tuck in. Ah, good. Of course it's good. Because they're fresh, straight out of my body and onto your plate. Thanks to Kevin McDonald out there performing and teaching improv classes. If you want to learn more from one of the best in the biz, then keep an eye on Kevin's Twitter. He's at KevinTheKith. Uh, Kevin the Kith, K-I-T-H, which is Kids in the Hall. So he's going to be in Portland, Oregon this weekend, performing and teaching at the Brody Theater on December 9th and 10th. Go check him out. And even more importantly, it looks like Kevin and the rest of the Kids in the Hall cast are reteaming with SNL producer Lauren Michaels to bring the Kids in the Hall back to TV. They're talking about a limited series run on Netflix as soon as next year. And remember, two out of the five kids have been in, but I'm Chris Jericho, including Kevin McDonald playing McGloin on season two of But I'm Chris Jericho premiering tomorrow at But I'm Chris Jericho.com But I'm Chris Jericho.com Go check it out. The more you watch, the more chance we have of doing more. If you saw season one in 2013, uh, you know how funny it was. So it took us eight years to, to uh, sign the show, four years to get a second season. So maybe in a year we'll do the third season. That's what we're hoping for. Go check it out. But I'm Chris Jericho.com And also check out the Team Tiger Awesome show with their take on the news. This is the news with Team Tiger Awesome. As week two of Factory Watch 2017 begins, I am still being held hostage. Though talks with representatives of the now-closed and hopefully quite soon-to-be-reopened Cheesecake Factory at the mall have not been fruitful, there are signs of hope. Factory management initially cited the nearly derelict mall as a terrible location that could not support a business with such robust offerings as the Cheesecake Factory. To respond, my captors have given me the following message to read on the air. Of the many and varied offerings for which the Cheesecake Factory became famous, we are willing to concede both the Thai cuisine portion of the menu and the seafood portion, but not the Baja fish tacos because those count as Mexican food. Really? Are you kidding me? That's what... Oh, 
Well, no, no, I've never been to the Cheesecake Factory. But how can you expect a restaurant to have stuff on hand to make all of that different shit at any given moment? No, it just seems wasteful. No wonder they went out of business. Oh, oh, okay, oh, okay. No, no, it's cool. It's cool. I'm, I'm sorry. No, no, I, I said I'm sorry! This has been Factory Lunch 2017. For more, listen to the Team Tiger Awesome Show every Sunday on the Jericho Network. Right here on Podcast One. Laugh along with Team Tiger Awesome every Sunday morning. Uh, they're going to be coming up pretty soon here with another Star Wars-themed podcast, probably in a week or two. I'm going to be tracking that uh, this week. Uh, but subscribe to Apple Podcasts, and be sure to leave them a five-star rating and review, and do that for all the great shows on the Jericho Network. And also get your cabin book for the Chris Jericho Rock and Wrestling Rager at sea. They're going fast. Some decks are completely sold out, and if you want to be one of the first 400 cabins that gets to be involved in the exclusive Chris Jericho question and answer session uh go reserve your cabin now as in now there's there's literally a handful of cabins left and that's not some kind of uh of uh exaggeration that is the real deal come be a part of it and and on top of that if you if you sign up before january 15th you'll get a picture of me with the list and you with the list you can put your name on the list i'll put your name on the list you got to do that though before january 15th go book your cabin now chrisjerichocruise.com we set sail october 27th 2018 and here's the rest of the cruise lineup I'm your host with the most, Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler, emceeing the whole damn shindig, Mick Foley, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Rey Mysterio, Killing the Town featuring Cyrus will be there, Keeping It 100, Conan, Disco Inferno, and Shane Helms, Raven will be there, Beyond the Darkness, Dave and Tim telling some scary stories, Ron Funch is doing comedy, Jim Brewer doing comedy, Brad Williams doing comedy, uh, Busted Open will be joining the festivities, Busted Open Radio, on the rock and roll side, it's Fozzie, Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons, King, The Dives featuring featuring Evan Stanley. The Dave Spivak Project, Spiwi will be here. His new video for Get Out of My House is about ready to be dropped fairly soon. The Darlings of Rock and Rolls, Cherry Bombs will be there. The greatest ACDC tribute band, female, ever shoot the thrill. The greatest Ozzy Osbourne tribute, Blizzard of Ozzy will be there. So many others, of course, Ring of Honor will be hosting the Sea of Honor tournament on the ship. The winner will get a future shot at the Ring of Honor World Championship. In the middle of the ocean, we're going to have this tournament with the Young Bucks, the villain Marty Skrull, the American Nightmare Co. Don't call him Rhodes. Brandy Rhodes will be there. Briscoe Brothers, the party, Peacock, Dalton Castle. Book your cabin now at ChrisJerichoCruise.com uh, and don't be left behind. And speaking of big town, big matches, don't forget Alpha versus Omega. January 4th at the Tokyo Dome, Chris Jericho versus Kenny uh, Omega. Subscribe to New Japan World if you want to see that live. Uh, and, if, and, and if you want to go to the Tokyo Dome, you can do that too. But tickets are selling fast for that show as well. And also selling fast, you can be a part of the Alpha Club Jericho and show your colors by picking up a new long sleeve or t-shirt represent.com slash alpha club represent.com slash alpha club be a part of Alpha Club Jericho all proceeds from these tees are going to help fight childhood type 1 diabetes and don't forget Fozzie on tour in Europe with Steel Panther starting January 28th and the Judas Rising tour continues in the United States starting February 28th with Through Fire uh, Dark Sky Choir and Santa Cruz we're going all all across the United States, I think it's about uh, 40 dates total, all the way from uh, uh, Clifton Park, New York, down to uh, San Diego, California, and everywhere in between. That's all. Enough of my yak. And thank you so much for supporting this show. Keep on supporting this show and the sponsors, including DDP Yoga. Go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Take advantage of Dallas's biggest holiday sale ever. 
30% off DDP Yoga, the app at All Matters, and to True Car, you uh, can save money on buying a new or used car. Thank you for listening. Keep listening for the 60-second AP News headlines coming next. And coming up this Friday, big news in wrestling all across the board that there are new executives for Impact Wrestling taking over the entire company, taking over the entire creative. It's Scott Demore and my old friend and Killing the Town co-host, Don Callis. They're taking over uh, Impact Wrestling. They're going to make an impact, and they're going to tell us all about it this Friday with the exclusive interview with the brand-new senior executives. They are the executive vice presidents of Impact Wrestling. Callis Demore will be here Friday. We'll get the straight scoop of what happened, what was behind it, and where they're going to take that company in the future. In the meantime, and in between time, that's it. Stay hard. Stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs, and a big yeah, boy. Cross your head. Cross, cross your head.